0: This is Channel 253. Citizen Tacoma Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Jenny. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma Podcast. Empowering an informed electorate. I thought we
1: were informing an empowered electorate. In In the the city city of Destiny. destiny. Citizen Tacoma. My heart I'll always vote for you.
0: Hi, Doug. Hi, Jenny. Today we talked to John McCarthy, who is running for Port Commission, position one.
1: He's got a big brain, has done a bunch of stuff.
0: He has. Um, so nobody gave a crap about the port before like a year ago. So um, we have all we have we all have a lot to learn about that's right. this job and And Listen it entails. to this folks, we
1: grilled him.
2: We grilled <laughs> him did, on the tried. LNG and G
0: Stick around. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma.
2: Hello, how are you today?
0: I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. I'm so glad that you took time to come on the show. I know you have a lot of places to rush off and do and be today. Um, You are running for Port Commissioner, position one. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, Tacoma story, how long you've been here, where you live?
2: Yes, okay. Well, uh, I'm born and raised in Tacoma, in South Tacoma, and uh, went to high school, uh, excuse me, went to grade school, visitation, high school at Bellarmine, Mm. went on to college at Seattle U and law school at the University of San Francisco. So uh, I grew up in South Tacoma. I um, hung around the South End Boys and Girls Club uh, Mm. a lot. Uh, Worked my way through high school, college, and law school, uh, primarily as a casual longshoreman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was honored to receive one of the first uh, scholarships from the South End Boys and Girls Club to attend college. So that helped me a lot. Uh, Returned uh, from law school, uh, opened a law practice uh, in Tacoma. Uh, for the last 10 years, I had a, a lot of practice in the Tide Flats where I mm. represented mainly, mainly working men and women and small businesses. And during that time period, I went, returned to the port, was elected to a port commissioner, and served for about nine years. I was appointed to the bench, mm. uh, and I was, served as a judge for 22 and a half, uh years. And family-wise... Um, Uh, My wife, Pat, and I have four children. We have 11 grandchildren, uh, several that live in uh, Tacoma, and we've been very active in the community. So my family history at the port goes back about 70-plus years. My dad was a shipyard worker uh, before he became a a longshore worker uh, in about 1950. Mm -hmm. Uh, My brother just recently retired from the waterfront, so I've got strong— ties and background with the port, and uh, was happy to play a key role in the port's development when it became a major league port and became competitive with Seattle and created a lot of jobs, which is where we're at today.
0: Hmm. You've been serving Tacoma for a long time. Thank you. Um, So something that we were just discussing before we started recording— The Port Commission has gotten a lot of spotlight on it as of late with the various environmental dramas that have been occurring. And so I wanted to take some time, if you would help us, to educate our listeners a bit on the typical duties of a port commissioner and how we can better understand how these things go down at the port?
2: <laughs> that's, that's a very important question because I think there's a, a lot of lack of knowledge about what a port commissioner actually does. The, right. the port commission uh, actually, those are not full-time position. They're mm. part-time policy setting positions. They hire the executive director of the port who runs the port on a day-to-day basis. Uh, they also serve in an alliance with Port of Seattle commissioners to hire an executive director for the alliance. The port does approve all major contracts, all major leases. Mm -hmm. Uh, They uh, approve major expenditures. Uh, But primarily it's looking at the big picture, setting the direction, setting the policy, and uh, approving the direction. Hmm. I, and we'll mention a couple of things. you know uh, when I was on the port commission before, I also there's about seventy port districts uh, statewide, hmm. and uh, a lot of people don't realize there are more than just seaports and airports, yeah. but there are industrial development districts and economic development districts throughout the state. so Port commissioners have a lot of different functions. We have five commissioners now, three are on the ballot this year. When I was first on the commission, I was elected to the commission at the same time that the port commission expanded from three to five in order Mm -hmm. to give the citizens more input on what was occurring in the public port. Uh, The public port's been in existence for 100 years. Next year, it's the anniversary, and it, it was created as a public port and state law uh, then uh, was ultimately written to allow public ports to serve in this quasi-private and mm-hmm. public function.
0: Mm-hmm. The p- different positions, do they in, um, correlate to geographical areas like the city council? Right. or How no, does that work?
2: They are all countywide elected. Every Each of the five positions are. So there are three up this year and then there will be two more uh, up uh, in, I think, two Mm. years.
0: So how do you go about choosing which position to run for?
2: Uh, Claire, not me, Claire, excuse me, Connie Bacon, actually. I had been interested and involved in the port because of my history and background, even when I was a Superior Court judge where -hmm. where I served for the last 18 years uh, before I retired a couple of years ago. Uh, And uh, Connie Bacon had, Mm -hmm. had actually talked to me and told me that she was interested... In retiring from the commission, and that uh, she she wanted me to consider running for the uh, position because she thought, with my knowledge and history of the port and and understanding of a lot of the issues, plus uh, because of my position as a retired judge, where I've made tough decisions in my whole career and listened to evidence and probed and prodded and tried to get it right, Hmm. she thought I'd uh, at this. Critical time that I that I could do some good as a commissioner for the port. So, I'm not seeking this position so I can be a judge someday. I'm, I'm
0: you already did that. I already
2: did that. I'm, I'm seeking it to use some of those that skill set with with my knowledge.
0: So, I think probably what everyone hopes we'll get to is the (laughs) lng (laughs) i think that's what people are most concerned about right now and is getting more attention for this position um i read your 25th legislative district's questionnaire that you filled out in may and at that time you seemed to be indicating that it was already going to move forward that the ship had sailed um that uh, the port and 14 other permitting agencies had already approved it. Is that still the case?
2: Uh, and, and let me start by saying a couple of things, if I could. Please. I, I mean, the LNG is important, uh, uh, and that type of activity at the port is important. But let me stop by saying, you know, the port's more than that. There's, mm-hmm. there's a, a lot more going on at the port and the shipping maritime (laughs) community and the jobs created there and the alliance with Seattle and what's happening there is a significant amount of uh, the Ability of the port to generate good well-paying jobs. Mm. I know a lot of people are singularly focused in that one issue And I I respect that the other thing. I suppose I want to say is that I have filled out about 15 different (laughs) candidate (laughs) uh, Questionnaires and so and I I know I did in the 25th district, and I was happy to receive their endorsement Uh, and so uh, but what you've what you summarized is, is, I think, fairly accurate. And it, the at this point in time, I'm, I'm, I'm not an incumbent, so I haven't voted on mm-hmm. uh, the leases to Puget Sound Energy. I, I had nothing to do with that or the information that yeah. was given to the port for that. Uh, but coming in as a Monday morning quarterback, yeah. uh, I, I like the concept of using... LNG to fuel, uh, the heavy, now heavy bunker fuel vessels, tote vessels that go from uh, Tacoma to Alaska. Mm -hmm. It's a much cleaner fuel. It's safer for the environment. It's safer for the the people that uh, live and work nearby. And I live in northeast Tacoma. I, I live... Very close to that so I like using that fuel Uh, the shipping regulations are now moving in the direction of requiring uh, that type of cleaner energy uh, to move vessels so the concepts a good concept Mm. Uh, the the secondary part of the issue is the siting of the facility Uh, what I've told people is this if elected uh, and I take office in January I believe the major part of my role will be to, number one, make sure that Puget Sound Energy uh, complies with all the conditions of its leasing from the Port of Tacoma. So my role as a commissioner would be to oversee staff who would do that. And the other part of my role would be to make sure, should they seek to modify or change or expand it, that the port and I – uh, through a probing and questioning process, having an opportunity to ask some very difficult, tough questions to make sure that it's safe and it's, it's good for the environment. Those are key priorities for mm. me, safety and environmental protection, and I have, I have strong records in both of those matters. Uh, I do recognize, though, I'm a person that comes from a, a rule of law background. And the rule of law now is that there have been, I believe, 16 different permits issued from the Department of Ecology to the Coast Guard, cities of Tacoma, Fife, Pierce County. Uh, and there's a laundry list of permits that have been issued. There are still some appeals pending mm-hmm. on the issuance of some of those permits. Uh, but it it's apparent to me that the... the uh, Project is moving forward and so as a rule of law people for those Entities that have you know tried to comply with environmental protection and other standards and the Department of Ecology has issued several several permits for those people who have reviewed the issue uh, it it may be in the courts to de- determine whether or not uh, Uh, the permits were rightfully issued or not. That's where I think some of the appeals lie. But it certainly appears that it's moving forward. And I think when I take office, as I said, I'll be in a caretaker function, make sure that Mm. it complies with everything that was promised and make sure if there's any changes that the public has a chance to weigh in, that the port is transparent, and that I personally, using my skills as a former judicial officer, uh, uh, will scrutinize and ask the tough questions for those that want to make modifications. Uh,
1: I, as I understood it, there is a concern about the size of the facility and that the size of the facility, facility indicates that it might be an export facility as opposed to just a refueling facility. Is there any, uh, any credence to that?
2: You know, once again, I, I'm, I'm kind of a an outsider because I'm, I'm right. not on the commission now and I am not uh, privy to all the information they have. I, I did read uh, an article uh, that was written by two of the commissioners, uh, Claire Petrich and Don Johnson, uh, and it just published a couple of weeks ago uh, about uh, the size of it and, and relative to that. So. Uh, so I kind of rely on I think what the port people tell me the information that they have mm. uh, now going forward, and uh, they don't seem to be indicating that to me, mm. or at least in what I've seen. So, I, but but I don't know. As I said, I'm I'm not an incumbent. I'm an outsider. I'm like you are. You read something, yeah, and yeah. so you kind of, well, is that true? Let me go explore it. You know. So it, and I've written or read some other interesting. Um, articles on the same subject but so yeah. i don't know if it's true or not okay
1: <laughs> and just to follow up on that just just a bit um going back in time sort of an ancillary question might be as well
2: right.
1: how did you feel or what was your position on the methanol plant when that was in the offing
2: um you know uh monday morning quarterbacking uh you know i i feel now uh, i'm I'm glad that the pro- uh, project failed, uh, and it seemed to fail for several different reasons. One of which was that uh, the project developer didn't answer some tough questions that were brought forward by mainly citizens, and uh, and. Uh, It failed for for other reasons. When it was being proposed, I was on the bench at that point in time. And when you're a superior court judge, you're holding a nonpartisan position so you can't express yourself on political issues because, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, one of them might come before you. Uh, Like, for example, the whole issue of uh, usage of water for the methanol plant ended up before a superior court a judge uh, after the project failed in terms of an initiative that was being proposed. So, you know, it would be gratuitous for me to say I was against it from the very beginning, but the the truth is is I was a judge, couldn't take a position, but the truth also is I was uh, glad to see the project uh, collapse because of the lack of uh, Northwest uh, Innovation, I think was the name of the company, the lack Mm -hmm. of their response enough enough to the very... Critical questions that were being asked. It you know it might appear to be have been a good project, but certainly there were legitimate questions asked that were not answered. It's it's a bit unfortunate that there wasn't an EIS done, because the EIS, for example, might have uh, uh, answered questions in terms of usage of property and and other particular uh, issues there. Hmm. Thank you. Thank
1: you very much.
0: Um, before we leave that topic, I just want to make sure I've answered all of my uh, all the things people will have wanted me to ask you. And um, what do you know about uh, the treaty with the Puyallup tribe regarding the land use for that the LNG plant would in, would affect? Well,
2: I am probably um, one of the very last people who was at the port of Tacoma at the time that we negotiated. The settlement, and so mm-hmm. I know quite a bit. I was the commission representative to the Puyallup Land Claim Settlement. I sat across the table and at the same table with the Puyallup Tribe for five years, mm. uh, between 1985 and 1990, and reached two agreements with the Puyallup Tribe. I sat arm in arm with tribal leaders uh, when we testified before Congress to, to get it approved. I think I am probably the one of the very last people that uh, are still around who mm. were part of the agreement at the time there are different attorneys now there's different directors there's different commissioners there's different staff members so uh, I had a lot of information uh, and uh, and you know I'm, I'm familiar uh, with the what brought about the resolution what what mm-hmm. we tried to accomplish through it I do think there's a lot of misconception and misunderstanding about what the settlement did and uh, mm what it represents. So, um, I know a lot about it. Okay.
0: So, do you know how the current LNG, the plans for the current facility would affect that treaty? Uh,
2: the, well, it was an agreement. It the agreement. wasn't really a treaty, even though it was authorized by Congress. I So, I don't believe they label it a treaty. But uh, the, the main part of the agreement was to settle... The claims that the tribe had over, for example, uh, tight flat lands and river bottom lands that uh, were not in existence at the time the initial treaty was adopted. Hmm. Part of the agreement were the, was the whole issue of, of jurisdiction jurisdiction over tribal members and jurisdiction over non tribal uh, members. Uh, most people, or many people, may not understand the full history of the tribe, but much of the land was allotted to individuals. A lot of lands were sold. Uh, some land was retained by individuals and or the tribal entity and in, put into trust. Uh, since the land claim settlement, a lot more lands have been put into trust, but this was not a reservation that was a contiguous body of land, if you would, after the allotment and distribution of the properties, which which were then ultimately sold or transferred f- on. Um, hmm. I'm not sure you asked a question, and I started in another direction. I'm no, sorry. No,
0: I, I just want to make sure we are – something that I keep kind of getting hung up with, with the LNG question, because right. it's just that
2: oh, – Oh, I know. You did – I'm sorry. I, I didn't. The, I didn't answer the question that you – uh, in terms of the other part of the agreement, and in, di- in ter- w- besides the jurisdictional issues, was the the requirement uh, for all parties to the agreement to confer on developments that are going to impact mm-hmm. their other properties uh, or their other properties. So those were you know some language that was put in the agreement. I haven't read it recently, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, it was very general and broad. Language uh, probably subject to a lot of different interpretation. Mm -hmm. I haven't read any port or tribal or other entities' legal analysis of it uh, Mm -hmm. recently, and so at some point in time, uh, uh, you know, if and when I'm on the commission, I'll obviously be very on on top of that. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of watching as you are, as the uh, uh, the the land use commission and others uh, evolve what's going on there.
1: Hmm. yeah I think as a layman observer, I think my impression was that the tribe was concerned about the pipeline bringing the LNG through their um, tribal land to the facility.
2: Um, well not certainly not at the time of the land claim settlement. No
1: no no yeah. Yeah.
2: and and I know over the years uh, the tribe has actually uh, explored opportunities for developing similar type facilities on land that they have, Mm -hmm. and I'm aware of that, and, you know, I'm also aware of some of the tribal interests in fossil fuel in and near the port Mm -hmm. uh, through the service stations, Tahoma stations that they they operate. Uh, So, some of, some members of the tribe may interpret that as having serious ramifications at this point in time that wasn't part of the land claim discussion and in in, in the past other members of the tribe haven't had that concern that's not to say it's not a legitimate concern mm-hmm. or some couldn't have it or interpret it that way but that that uh, was not something that goes back uh, 25 or 30 years
0: so something that keeps hanging me up about the LNG issue is that it's Kind of seems like strange adversaries because the research seems to indicate that LNG is the cleaner, more environmentally friendly, Absolutely. greener right. way for our shipping industry to be operating. Except which, that
1: it is fracked and um, and there are issues with transport and and yes, but sh- should I'm it be tra- spilled yes, or, or, yes. or uh, yes, yes get out All of confinement of it becomes a very potent greenhouse gas. Right. So I mean there but are the issues ship- besides just what's happening in Tacoma. Right. I think that's one of the concerns of of groups.
2: Well I do know regionally it's better for this region to use LNG as opposed to the fuel that's now being used now i I can't get my arms totally around uh, analyzing it all the way from fracking to mm-hmm. other emission standards from a right. universe basis in the region i agree with you i concur with you it is environmentally the safer way to move those vessels
0: yeah What I'm trying to say is that the shipping industry is going to continue shipping. Um, So to have the more environmentally friendly version of fuel be opposed by the environmentalist is kind of sticky, wouldn't you say, Doug?
1: Uh, They would say that there are other means by which to power vessels other than LNG would be another. Thing. There are
2: Aside new, from... new
1: vessel technology using electricity and such. I mean, I'm just, mm. I'm just trying to trying my best to represent what that voice might be.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. I am not trying to argue in favor of it. I'm just trying to get.
1: <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of the folks uh, against it are against uh, uh, the fossil fuel, the whole notion of fossil fuels. So that you know, so it's an umbrella thing. Once again, I do not pretend to represent <laughs> any <laughs> right. and every voice in that fight.
0: Well. This is related, but not necessarily. Um, I think that it seems that, um, as happened with the methanol and now seems to be happening with the LNG, suddenly all the citizens are going, hey, what's going on? How did this happen? Nobody told us this was going to happen. It just seems like there's definitely some transparency issues with what happens at the port. So I would like to better understand um, how we can improve that, first of all. But secondly... Um, where does this start? Like if somebody was not, wanted to oppose LNG before the ship had sailed, Mm -hmm. was there a meeting where this all went down and people Mm -hmm. just weren't there so they didn't know about it and then the ship sailed away and it it, it became too late? How does the process work?
2: Well, once again, since I'm not an incumbent, I don't know how exactly it started, but I agree that uh, it appears that it wasn't, very transparent or the port could have done a better job of describing the length and breadth of a project that was going to take place on on this land i don't know that they didn't do that but Mm. upon reflection seeing all the concerns and questions raised uh, you know it would appear that way and i will say this i mean not all everyone feels that way. I mean, there are mm-hmm. there are people that are vocal and have strong opinions that have expressed themselves quite well, but not necessarily doesn't reflect uh, all of my neighbors in Northeast Tacoma or all of the people throughout Pierce County who look at the port from a wider perspective than that just single issue.
0: Hmm. Speaking of that. Um, can you please give us? I, I think it's true that people do do not understand what goes on at the port. Mm-hmm. I I know that it's you know, shipping happens there. Ah, true. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> could you talk a bit about um, the jobs that are that are there and the function of the port and outside of LNG, what kind of things people there should be more civic engagement upon?
2: Great. No, that and that's important because the port uh, actually uh, generates between the port of Seattle and Tacoma in the maritime shipping world. They generate forty-eight to fifty thousand jobs in the region. Mm. They generate uh, four point three to five billion dollars of economic activity in in the region mm. through having ships. Uh, that carry cargoes one direction or another, and being a major uh, importer distributor of cargo, it it creates a tremendous amount of high wage, family wage uh, jobs. Hmm. And
0: um, and would you say that most of the people that have those jobs live in Tacoma? Uh,
2: not no, not necessarily. No, hmm. I think. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of the people I know that work within the port industrial area work or live mm-hmm. in the county, not necessarily mm-hmm. in, the, in the city of Tacoma. Many live outside of this particular area. But it includes not just the longshore workers or the truck drivers or the railroad workers. But it includes all the distribution that takes place and warehousing and movement and Lots of activity. For example, right now, uh, there's a big project that's going on in the Port Industrial Area. And when you drive on 509, you see it being built uh, right next to Fife. Uh, And uh, at that project, which will be a distribution center for UPS, uh, Mm -hmm. when it's opened, I think, by next year, that's going to employ 900-plus people. Mm -hmm. One of the advantages to uh, the Port of Tacoma, to other ports, is that we have a network for um, distribution, which is very good and and some room for growth. Now, having said that, there are some, we all see it every day, the transportation issues with with trucks and, and things of that sort. But the ports of Seattle and Tacoma right now are the fourth largest regional port in the United States in terms mm-hmm. of activity. But most of the cargo that comes through Tacoma, about 70% of it doesn't end here, which uh, means that we have to be competitive with like Southern California, which has a huge population base. And we have to be competitive with Canada, which has uh, their government support and a more rail support and less tax. Uh, and so they're very competitive, but uh, about 70% of all the cargo that moves through Tacoma is uh, is bound for the Midwest or beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our rail connections, our road connections, our distribution centers create all this economic activity and work uh, good jobs for people.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't know if Doug was indicating he wanted to. No, I'm okay. loving
2: it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'd love to hear this.
0: Okay. Um. So this is a bit of a two-part question. Um, A lot of people have come on the podcast to talk about attracting new business to Tacoma. Um, How do we attract business to the port? How do we go about possibly attracting the kind of business that would um, be more uh, (laughs) amenable to our (laughs) environmental contingent? And. I guess – I mean I've driven on 509, so I feel like I have seen the port. But right. is there a lot of space down there that is available for development? I, I don't have a concept of sure. what um, we're working with there.
2: Well, a couple of things. Uh, some misunderstandings. You started asking me questions to clear up some things. And people yeah. don't realize that you know, about half of the land within the Port Industrial Development District in the Tide Flats is owned by private Interest, hmm. And so they may have all of their own plans uh, as to what types of business they would like to develop. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them do that to capitalize on this maritime trade and traffic and distribution that, that I talked about. But a lot of them have other concepts. So a lot of what the port uh, can do is perhaps work with them as to what they would like to accomplish. On, on the port lands, and there are, the, you know, the port owns, and I forget how many acres exactly, but, you know, somewhere in excess of 2,000 to 2,500 acres, a lot of which is already dedicated. There, there are lands available mm-hmm. for development. They're precious lands, though, and they're mm-hmm. lands that sh- should be used to bring a business that can capitalize in having this deep water port, these sh- uh, shipping lines and terminals, and the trans- transportation infrastructure, uh, and and I'd like to see obviously more good high-paying jobs, good uh, uh, high-volume jobs. You know, not just take a huge chunk of land and only um, have a few yeah. people work there. And and I and I've seen that's a legitimate complaint. I think about some of the. Uh, Complaints I've heard about taking some waterfront land and building something that uh, will only employ uh, a few people. And, mm-hmm. and that's not a good concept. So on those lands that the port owns and controls, you know, a port commission can analyze businesses in terms of how many people are they going to employ, how clean is it going to be, uh, what kind of a carbon footprint are they going to leave – uh, in our community and and beyond, the port can do that mm-hmm. on the land that it owns, and they should do that. Uh, the types of business, uh, you know, who knows exactly? I did, you know, I cited to you the UPS uh, distribution facility, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't know about, and that's about a thousand jobs. So that oh, that's, that's a big amazing. hit. That's a big hit. So uh, other. Types of you know we'd all like to see shipbuilding come back. We've all liked to mm-hmm. see some other industries, but those are the types of things that uh, public ports have less to do with than private industry and mm-hmm. and business uh, in terms of the world markets and other factors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you have previously held this position. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what years was that? Nineteen
2: eighty three to nineteen ninety
0: two. Okay. Um, how would you say things are different now than when you served before?
2: Um, well, a lot. You know, having been gone and on the bench for much of the last uh, twenty five years, there there are <clears throat> there are things that are similar, and there are things that are different. I think the major difference is. In the maritime shipping world, uh, now there are a lot fewer shipping lines that call on ports. Mm. Uh, when I was on the commission before, we were able to attract shipping lines that were calling in Seattle. I was a pirate, <laughs> I was stealing business from Seattle. <laughs> and uh, when I first got on the commission, we handled about 150,000 containers a year. Within six years, we we're over a million, and we did that by being the first. West Coast Port to build an on-dock cannery yard. It was very innovative, hmm. uh, and we also then moved ahead and, with the Puyallup Lands Claim Settlement, which uh, c- created an ability uh, to use our lands for purposes. So, what I've seen though since then now is, as Tacoma and Seattle have created an alliance, these shipping companies and shipping lines have created their own alliances. Hmm. Th- there's a lot less loyalty. Whereas before there were 14 or 15 major carriers, now there are slot charter and and other alliance agreements between shipping lines to narrow that field to four to five. Uh, So vessels, therefore, have become bigger. Terminals have become bigger as those alliances try to capitalize on some efficiencies of scale. So that's, that's changed a lot of what's going on in the shipping world, in the maritime mm. shipping world, was is the creation of those major uh, alliances that the port now deals with. It used to be another major difference is the port used to operate many of the terminals itself. Now most are operated by third-party terminal operators in uh, operating agreements that might last 30 years, something of that mm. nature. So that that's a difference in terms of what the port does to market uh, itself. Uh, you know, and once again, most of those things, they're, they're, the commission hires the executive director. The director goes about the task of of following through with that marketing, following through with that business development, following through with looking for specific businesses. Uh, but those are two big changes uh, that I've seen.
0: Mm. Can you explain a little bit about the alliance with the Port of Seattle? I remember that being a big deal sure. when it happened, but I'm not sure I understand what it means.
2: Right. Uh, they use the word alliance. They don't use the word merger. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but it, what it did was, uh, as when I was there before, we used to compete with Seattle for some of the same customers, and we were able to attract those shipping lines to come to Tacoma, like we did Tote and then Sealand, then Maersk and K-Line – we attracted lots of the big carriers that were calling in Seattle. It made us an equal with them. It was a great thing. you know. Uh, mm. We've never received a whole lot of respect from Seattle. Those of us that live here know. So to be an equal with them in the shipping world was important. But what the alliance uh, did was it ultimately said, listen, we've got to start stop beating each other up for the same customers. Cutting each other probably. Yeah, let's, let's create a bigger pie. And let's create a bigger pie instead of slicing and dicing it mm. to us or you. You know, let's create a bigger pie. Let's work together to make that happen. So I really, you know, I'm I'm a fan of what the Alliance can do. Mm-hmm. The Alliance can create more opportunities in the shipping world. But having said that, with my background in the port and the Tide Flats and my legal background, I also want to protect the Port of Tacoma. I want to make sure that as the Alliance moves forward with interpretations and changes and agreements that the Port of Tacoma is protected. Next year, the executive director of the Alliance, who's also the director of the Port of Tacoma, will probably be just the executive director of the Alliance and the Port of Tacoma will be hiring its own executive director. Mm -hmm. So I want to see the Alliance do well. I want to see us attract Cargo that might be looking at going through Canada or the Panama Canal or Southern California, but I also want to make sure that uh, our investment in, in the industrial development district is protected.
0: Hmm. Is there anything I should have asked you? Something that is an important thing for people to understand about the port that I didn't know to ask?
2: You know, I, I, I guess some really good good questions but you know I, I think the port's all about a, a working waterfront creating jobs, but it's also about protecting the environment and it's also about doing those things in a safe manner safely for citizens and workers they're not mutually exclusive you know mm. we've we, we've moved into an era that we we can you know we got to weigh and balance projects and ask the d- tough questions. Uh, But we can create good jobs in a safe fashion and do it at the same time we're protecting the environment for my grandchildren and other people's children and grandchildren. Uh, That's big for me. I I am a uh, long-time, 20-year paddler on the Foss waterway. Hmm. I paddle dragon boats. I paddle outrigger canoes. Being able to do that is important to me because when I first was on the commission, the port was declared a Superfund site and you wouldn't find yourself getting anywhere near the water. And I worked on several projects to uh, improve land uh, and to work through some of the Superfund issues. Uh, And so, you know, it's important that what we do uh, keeps in mind what's important to those that live and work Hmm. near us.
0: Hmm. I think that's everything.
1: I think that's great.
0: (laughs) I've learned a lot today. Have you, Doug? I have indeed. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show.
2: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, (laughs) John.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma podcast today. We are part of the Channel 253 network where you can also find the Move to Tacoma podcast as well as the Nerd Farmer podcast.
1: And the Flounders B Team podcast.
0: If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you've heard on the show today or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, maybe there's something you've been wondering about that maybe we can investigate for you, please contact me at jennyjacobs253 at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Citizen Tacoma. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com.
1: This is channel 253.